Part One, Chapter Four of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Seventeen eighty six. Matrimonial projects. At the time of our return to Paris, I was sixteen years of age, and my grandmother informed me that she was trying to arrange a marriage for me with the Marquis Adrien de Laval. He had just become the head of his family by the death of his brother, who left a widow, twenty years of age, but no children. The Duchesse de Laval, the mother of Adrienne, had been a great friend of my mother's. She was very desirous of seeing this marriage brought about, and it was equally agreeable to me. The name of Laval Montmorency sounded very agreeably in my aristocratic ears. Young Laval had left the seminaire to enter the army at the death of his brother. Our fathers were also closely associated, but the principal reason which led me to wish this marriage was that I should be able to leave the house of my grandmother. I was no longer a child. My education had commenced at so early an age that at sixteen I was as old as other girls at twenty-five. With my grandmother I led a wretched life. I was very miserable and ardently desired to end this unhappy position. Nevertheless, being in the habit of reflecting upon my fate, I had resolved never to accept out of spite a marriage which would not be en rapport with my situation in the world. I was considered to be the sole heir of my grandmother, who had the reputation of being rich, and was so in reality. The fine estate of Hautefontaine, situated about twenty-two leagues from Paris, with a revenue of fifty thousand francs from the farms, without counting the woods, the lakes, and the fields, a pretty house which she had just purchased about five leagues from Paris, and where my uncle was making extensive repairs, with Rantz upon the Hôtel de Ville of Paris, which she would give me at the time of my marriage, an immense amount of personal property, all this was assured to me, since my grandmother was sixty years of age, when I was sixteen. Who would ever have suspected that my uncle, with over four hundred thousand francs of income, was in financial difficulties, and had persuaded my grandmother to borrow in order to come to his rescue? All the men who wished to marry me were blinded by these fine appearances. It was also known that at the time of my marriage I would have the position of Dame du Palais of the Queen. This at that time weighed heavily in the balance in the Grand Monde. Etre à la cour sounded very fine. The Dame du Palais were only twelve in number. My mother had been one because the Queen personally loved her tenderly, because she was the daughter-in-law of a peer of England, and the granddaughter of another, Lord Falkland. Finally, because my father, a distinguished officer, was counted among the very few who could become marshals of France. Of the three regiments of the Irish Brigade, Dillon and Berwick were the only ones which had preserved their names. I remember that when Monsieur Walsh was named Colonel of the regiment which took his name, Monsieur de Fitzjames and my father showed a great deal of discontent on the pretext that he did not belong to any great Irish or English family. 
the duchesse de fitz james mademoiselle de tirard was dame du palais like my mother and a woman of the same age but her husband the third duke de fitz james who was the grandson of marechal de berwick and the son of the second duke who had also been marechal de france enjoyed a very mediocre military reputation while my father had greatly distinguished himself during the war which had just finished at the age of twenty-seven he had been named brigadier a grade since suppressed which represented the rank intermediate between the grade of colonel and that of lieutenant-general to return to myself i was then what would be called from every point of view a good match and since i am on the subject of my personal advantages i think this is the place to trace my portrait it will not be very attractive on paper because i owed my reputation for beauty only to my figure my general appearance and not at all to my features i had a mass of light blonde hair small grey eyes with very few eyelashes most of which i had lost through a severe attack of smallpox at the age of four i had thin blonde eyebrows a high forehead and a nose which was said to be greek but which was long and too large at the end my finest feature was my mouth with very fresh lips chiselled like those of an antique statue and beautiful teeth which i have preserved intact at the age of seventy-one it was said that my face was agreeable that i had a gracious smile and notwithstanding all this i could be considered plain however a large and beautiful figure and a clear and transparent complexion with a great deal of colour gave me a marked superiority in all gatherings especially by day and it was certain that i outshone many women apparently endowed with superior advantages at the state dinners given frequently by my uncle during the summers that we passed at paris i often saw marechal de biron the last grand seigneur of the time of louis the fourteenth although he was eighty-five years of age while i was only fifteen he had taken a great fancy to me he had me seated at table beside him and had the kindness to talk with me at paris he had a large and beautiful mansion now that of the sacre coeur with a splendid garden of three or four acres where there were hothouses filled with rare plants it was considered a particular honour to be received at his house one day in speaking to my uncle he said if i should have the misfortune to lose madame la marechale de biron i would pray mademoiselle dillon to take my name and to permit me to put my fortune at her feet he never had this misfortune however which he would easily have consoled himself his wife survived him and perished upon the scaffold with her niece the duchesse de biron the marechal died in seventeen eighty seven or seventeen eighty eight and had a magnificent funeral it was the last splendour of the monarchy my marriage with adrien de laval fell through because the marechal de laval his grandfather chose for his wife mademoiselle de luxembourg he married her when he was almost a child and when she herself was hardly eighteen years of age i regretted this 
on account of the name. My grandmother then proposed to me the name of the Vicomte de Fleury, with whom I did not wish to have anything to do. His reputation was bad. He had neither esprit nor distinction. And he also belonged to the younger branch of a house without any great reputation. I therefore refused him. The next candidate was Esperance de L'Aigle, of whom I had seen a great deal during our youth. I did not think that his name was sufficiently illustrious. My decision was perhaps unreasonable, as he was really a very good match. We belonged to the same circle in society. The estate of his father was situated only six or seven leagues from Hautefontaine. All these facts were in favour of our union. Nevertheless, I refused him. Marriages are made in heaven. I had taken it into my head to marry the Comte de Gouvernet, notwithstanding the fact that I had never seen him and everyone spoke badly of him. I knew that he was small and plain, that he gambled and contracted debts. Nevertheless, my resolution was made. I told my cousin Sheldon that I would marry no one else. He attempted, but without success, to reason me out of what he called my folly. In the month of November 1786, we were just about to set out for Languedoc, when one morning my grandmother said, This Monsieur de Gouvernet continues to come back with his proposals of marriage. Madame de Montconseil, his grandmother, is endeavouring to get the best of us on all sides. His father is commandant of a province and will be marshal of France. He is a man who enjoys the highest consideration in the army. The queen herself desires it for the Princesse Denin, the daughter of Madame de Montconseil, has spoken to her about it. Therefore think and decide about it. To which I replied without hesitation, I have made up my mind. I do not ask for anything better. My grandmother was stupefied. She hoped, I think, that I would refuse him. She could not conceive why I should prefer him to Monsieur de Legge. In reality, I could not have told why myself. It was an instinct, an impulse coming from heaven. God had destined me for him. We set out for Montpellier without any further talk on the subject of this marriage. One morning, my grandmother informed me that my uncle had received a charming letter from Madame de Montconseil that she extremely desired my marriage with her grandson, for whom she had the warmest affection, that she would do everything in her power to bring about our union, but that she was not on good terms with her son-in-law, the Comte de la Tour du Pin, who did not get on well with his wife, and had not lived with her for many years. This was the first time I had heard of this family trouble. Although they did not live together, they were not legally separated as the family had wished to avoid scandal on account of the Princesse Denin, the sister of Madame de la Tour du Pain, and also on account of her daughter, the Marquise de Lamette. The Marquise de Montconseil was then eighty-five years of age, but was still considered beautiful. Her husband, who was an officer, like nearly all the gentlemen of that epoch, had married her very young. He had been a page of Louis the Fourteenth and had a very lively and dissipated youth. 
had served in all the wars at the end of the reign of Louis the Fourteenth and in those of Louis the Fifteenth. At the age of forty, Monsieur de Montconseil left the service and retired to his estate of Tesson in Saintonge. Here he spent most of his life until his death at the age of ninety. He had a fine house at Saintes, where he passed three months during the winter. The rest of the year he lived at Tesson, where he himself laid out and planted the park and gardens. Occasionally he went to Paris to see his wife, who had a very fine mansion. He was very fond of his grandson, who frequently visited him at Tesson. End of part one, chapter four.